This is the Humanist Report with Mike Figueredo. Sponsored by Amazon, Audible, HostGator, Gamefly, and supporters of independent media like you. Welcome to the Humanist Report. My name is Mike Figueredo, and this is the 59th episode of the podcast. Today, we have several new people we have to thank for sponsoring this episode. We have Thomas Bradburn, who sent in a donation through HumanistReport.com. We have Daniel Conroy, who is a brand new member. And then we have some Patreon patrons to thank as well. This week, we have Francesco Chinisi, Angela Stevens, Mads Zhao, Robert Bay, user Unimportant, and Eric Yao. So thank you to all of these individuals for making this podcast possible. If you too would like to join the independent media revolution, see the links down below in the description box. But so long as you tune in every single week, that is all I could ever ask or hope for. So on today's episode, I will be talking about how Bernie Sanders addressed my criticism on Meet the Press with Chuck Todd. I'll also be analyzing NBC's Commander-in-Chief Town Hall and talk about what a train wreck that was. Also, Jill Stein, Green Party presidential candidate, is now wanted in the state of North Dakota. So I will talk about what the hell she did, and additionally, I'll speak about how Elizabeth Warren may now be realizing that it was a mistake to endorse Hillary Clinton. Also on the podcast, Jill Stein makes Fox News host Chris Wallace piss himself because he tried to pose a bunch of gotcha questions to her, but failed miserably. Now also, Bernie Sanders' Our Revolution will be disclosing large donations, but I will talk about how this new revelation, this new bit of information we have about this new 501c4 organization kind of misses the point. So all of these topics we will get to in this episode, but first let's go ahead and jump into the weekly dose of stupidity and then we'll get right into the substance in a world of politics dominated by the strange the deranged and outright insane we'll now take a moment to shine a light on the craziest of what politics has to offer this is your weekly dose of stupidity you say the name hillary clinton you know in America, yeah. you get incredible responses. There'll be those who love her, and there'll be those with visceral hatred on well, their faces. Well, that's what I'm saying with the not being informed, because those people aren't informed. You know, they. if you go, why don't you like Hillary? They'll go, she lied about her emails. What else is she going to lie about? People get one fact, and that's what they latch on to about a candidate. They go... But, you know, she lied about that. I'm like, well, Donald Trump has a fake college. Donald Trump doesn't pay his workers. He won't release his tax, his taxes. There's never been a, a nominee who's ever not released their taxes. So, um, and I don't think you can have a, I haven't had a conversation with anyone who doesn't like Hillary where they've had anything meaningful to say. I haven't had a conversation with anyone who doesn't like Hillary where they've had anything meaningful <laughs> to say. Idiot. You are so dumb. You are really dumb. For real. Stupidity. A couple of weeks ago, I admittedly came down pretty hard on Bernie Sanders for the first time ever because, inexplicably, he decided to distance himself from Tim Canova. Now, my contention wasn't necessarily that 
Bernie Sanders decided to ditch Tim Canova so much as he seemingly chose the establishment over his own political revolution because even though he wasn't going to be campaigning for Tim Canova, he was still going to hit the campaign trail for Hillary Clinton. Here's what I said specifically. I can't rationalize this. I can't defend you here, Bernie. This is indefensible. Just because you're Bernie Sanders and I liked you and you galvanized the whole political movement doesn't mean that you're above criticism. And again, I would be okay with you abandoning Tim Canova if you weren't going to campaign for Hillary Clinton. But the fact that you're ditching him and obviously distancing yourself from him for some reason, but yet are going to campaign for Hillary Clinton is absurd to me. Now, various mainstream media outlets, to my surprise, actually picked up on this criticism that I had of Bernie Sanders. And when Bernie Sanders was on Meet the Press with Chuck Todd, Chuck actually brought my criticism to Bernie Sanders' attention. Here's what he had to say. You know, Senator, one of your supporters, uh, Mike uh, Figueredo, uh, ho hosts a progressive, uh, it's called a Humanist Report podcast, and he was really upset at you personally because he actually thought you abandoned Mr. Canova. He thought, where were you? You didn't campaign for him. Uh, and he even said, look, that feeling you felt when Elizabeth Warren abandoned you and chose to run away from you during the Massachusetts primary, that's what Tim Canova is feeling right now what do you say to him or any other sanders supporters <laughs> well what that i feel as if you didn't do enough our, well you know there are a lot of things happening in this country things happening in my own state and work that i have got to do i can't do everything but i would say that uh our supporters as i understand it, contributed about six hundred thousand uh, dollars to mr canova's campaign uh, that is a very significant contribution uh, I think what you are going to be seeing uh, in the weeks and months to come, uh, Chuck, is me playing an active role, not only trying to make sure that Donald Trump does not become president of the United States, uh, but that, in fact, we create a movement for this campaign and for the future, which creates a mm -hmm. government in which our government responds to the needs not of the Koch brothers and wealthy campaign contributors, but to ordinary people. So let me just say, first of all, that it was really weird to see my name in uh, mainstream media news outlets, because even though he completely butchered my name, I, it, it happened all my life. Um, you, you know, it's just strange to know that the things that I say actually can make it to the political establishment. So hopefully... They will take the words that I say uh, and realize that I'm trying to be constructive in my criticisms. So with that being said, do I feel as though Bernie Sanders adequately answered my question? No, <laughs> I wasn't very satisfied. Uh, I, he laughed off my criticism and he also kind of felt like he dodged the question in some ways. But I honestly am not too mad at Bernie Sanders. I don't hold that against him because honestly, I don't feel like he was given the full context of my criticism. See, the title of my video really suggest the, the main problem that I had with Bernie Sanders. It was that he made time to campaign for Hillary Clinton, but not Tim Canova. And also, he decided to distance himself from Tim Canova. I mean, it was obvious, right? Because when he was debuting the political uh, organization that he just created, Our Revolution, he spotlighted several candidates and he left out Tim Canova. So I don't know what happened. It felt like he was playing sides. Like he picked the establishment over us because he worked out some type of deal presumably with Hillary Clinton to lay off of Debbie. I don't know, but in the end I wasn't necessarily uh, satisfied with Bernie Sanders' response and I think that's because he doesn't really fully grasp why I was so disillusioned with his choice to abandon Tim Canova. It all came down to him 
doing that, but then still campaigning for Hillary Clinton. I would have nothing to say if Bernie Sanders didn't campaign for anyone, but the fact that he chose Hillary Clinton over Tim Canova, that was really frustrating to me, and it hurt, honestly, as a longtime Bernie Sanders supporter. Even before he entered the race uh, for the Democratic primary, I was a fan of him since 2010 when I saw him filibuster uh, tax cuts for the rich. He was on the floor for 10 hours, and I knew that this was someone who I could trust in politics, maybe one of the few members of Congress that I could actually believe in. And Bernie Sanders, you know, he, he's been inspirational to me for a very long time. So I'm a longtime fan of Bernie Sanders. So when I do criticize him, just know that it's coming from a place of me really hoping that it's constructive and that I can help him facilitate actual political change. So I mean, the fact that myself, as well as other progressives have been critical of Bernie as of late, you know, it it's gotten mainstream media outlets questioning whether or not progressives are actually turning on Bernie Sanders. And I actually wrote a piece for the Huffington Post explaining my take on the matter and how it's really not about progressives turning on Bernie Sanders so much as we're worried about him turning on us. I don't think that he's selling out, but I think that he's making some decisions that I disagree with. And I feel the need to voice my opinion about that. But let me just say this in conclusion. Uh, I'll always remember what Bernie Sanders did. He changed American politics forever. He galvanized a whole new portion of the electorate that we didn't know even existed. He brought people into the political process that had never voted before in their lives. My mom is one of them. She's 65 years old and she voted for the first time because she believed in Bernie Sanders. No other politician did that. And she's not the only one. There are many people who were brought into the political process because of Bernie Sanders. And I also... Look at that progressive record that he had. I mean, he was standing up for my rights as a member of the LGBT community before I was even born. So I'll never forget what Bernie Sanders did. But with that being said, Bernie Sanders supporters are not like Hillary Clinton supporters. We're not sheep. In 2008, when Hillary Clinton told her supporters to support Barack Obama, they did that almost immediately. But for us, there's many of us that don't actually want to get behind Hillary Clinton. Many will, but many still won't. We're all gravitating more towards Jill Stein. Not because we hate Bernie Sanders and that, you know, we're just trying to be petulant children. It's because we're actually objective and we hold our leaders who we like and are inspired by to a very high standard. That's not because, you know, um, we're just overly harsh and we want to subject every single individual in Congress to this progressive purity test. That's not what it is. It's because we really believe in them and we think that they can take the criticism that we have. So we don't have to deal with them with kid gloves, okay? We can take those kid gloves off and we can actually talk about what we need and voice our concerns because we feel as though Bernie Sanders is someone, one of the few people who's actually listening. So, you know, that that's what I wanted to talk about. I wanted to talk about why I was frustrated and clarify. So in the event Bernie Sanders sees this video, knows that really it's hurtful to us to see him campaigning for Hillary Clinton. Uh, even, you know, if, if it were the case that he campaigned for both of them, I would still be admittedly hurt seeing him act as a surrogate for Hillary Clinton after everything that was done to him during the primary. I mean, his campaign was sabotaged by the DNC and collusion between the DNC and Hillary Clinton's campaign. So it's really frustrating to see him presumably having to do that against his own will or feeling obligated to do that. So in the end, that's my two cents. If Bernie Sanders does end up seeing this video, which now it seems like maybe he actually will, just know, Bernie, that my criticism of you comes from a place of love. Like, I, I, I truly believe in you. I'm inspired by you. So when I criticize you, it's because 
I think you can not only take that criticism, but you're willing to listen to that criticism. Uh, and I don't speak for every single progressive, of course, but I speak for, I think, a lot of us. And a lot of us are really, we, we feel betrayed right now by so many people. Elizabeth Warren, Rachel Maddow, who's someone who I really respected. We feel so betrayed right now. So we're on edge. So, so just realize that, you know, we're going to be hypercritical at this point. But no, in the end, it comes from a place of love. But just please don't campaign for Hillary Clinton, okay? If she really wanted progressives to support her, she would stop trying to pander to Republicans and court the endorsements of war criminals like Henry Kissinger and John Negroponte. That's all I got to say. So more and more, Dr. Jill Stein, the Green Party's presidential nominee, is proving that she is the most badass presidential candidate in American history because she is one of the few individuals, she's the only presidential candidate who's actually standing up for the Standing Rock tribe and is protesting the Dakota Access Pipeline. Take a look. This battle is absolutely critical. This DAPL pipeline must be stopped in the same way that the Keystone Pipeline had to be stopped. We cannot simply allow other pipelines to do an end run around that one highly visible pipeline. This pipeline is especially critical. It will be over half a million barrels of poisonous back and oil every day that is pumped through, um, that is poisonous to the water. It will be crossing some 200 rivers, streams, and tributaries. It puts at risk not only the water supply for the Standing Rock Sioux Reservation, it puts at risk the water supply for millions of people downstream in the Missouri River. So it's absolutely critical to protect this land, to protect these sacred sites, and to protect this water. We must win this battle because what happens here will happen everywhere. We have just come from Detroit where they are in the business of privatizing the water and shutting down the water supply. Thousands of people whose waters are being turned off. And this is happening all over the country through the desecration of water, through the desecration of indigenous lands and ancestral sacred sites and of our ecosystems which we all depend on and we know that the climate is also hanging in the balance and the clock is ticking there is not time to build more poisonous fossil fuel infrastructure like the Dakota Access Pipeline. And now her and her running mate Ajamu Baraka are literally wanted in the state of North Dakota for vandalism and trespassing. She's accused of spray painting construction equipment at the Dakota Access Pipeline on Tuesday in Morton County, North Dakota. According to the Bismarck Tribune, the protest drew between 150 and 200 demonstrators saying the pipeline will violate sacred tribal lands and possibly pollute water. A judge issued warrants Wednesday for both Stein and her running mate, Ajamu Baraka. They face misdemeanor charges of criminal trespass and criminal mischief. If authorities were to come across Stein, quote, they would arrest her, said Morton County Sheriff's Office spokesman Rob Keller. He noted the warrants had been filed Wednesday. All right, so what they did is on camera. Are you ready to see these horrible crimes that Jill Stein committed? Take a look, but just be warned, you're going to be appalled. 
Oh, the horror, right? <laughs> yeah, she is now wanted in the state of North Dakota because of that. Now, here's the double standard. So the oil company has hired a private security firm, otherwise known as mercenaries, to protect the workers from harassment. Now, not only are these mercenaries using pepper spray against protesters, but they've literally sick dogs on them. Take a look. Over there, with that dog. I was like walking, throw the dog on me straight, even without any warning, you know? Look at this, look at this. Yeah, the dog did it, you know? Look at this. Man, your dog just bit this protester. Are you telling the dogs to bite the protesters? The dog has blood in its nose and its mouth. It is still standing here threatening. You can't put your blame on the dog. You can't put your blame on the dog. You can't put your blame on the dog. You These people are just threatening all of us with them, these dogs. And she, that woman over there, she was charging them and it bit somebody right in the face. And then it charged at me and tried to bite me. And she's still, they're still threatening oh, these dogs against us. And we're not doing anything. Why are you letting their her dog go after the protesters? It's covered in blood. protesters said that the dog was bloody from biting them they then pulled the dogs away and now pickup truck by pickup truck is pulling away so at this point six people have actually been bitten and injured by dogs according to Ross story and that includes one young child and 30 people had to receive medical treatment after they were pepper sprayed and according to local police four mercenaries and two guard dogs were injured as well now, here's the thing. The fact that they hired mercenaries that are now using violence against these protesters, that's bad, right? Well, police aren't doing anything. That's right. So, because these protesters are trying to prevent their water from being poisoned and their sovereignty from being violated, this company is apparently justified in using violence against them when they're just protesting peacefully. So, welcome to America. If you vandalize a vehicle of a company who is completely rich and you just spray paint a message on there, well, the police are going to come after you in North Dakota. But if you literally hire mercenaries to do violence against people and injure them, you get a free pass. Nothing will be done to you. No warrants, no nothing. 
This is America. This is the America that we live in. See, right now, big money always wins in America. So if any of those protesters were billionaires, you can bet your ass that the North Dakota Police Department would be investigating and going after the oil company for hiring mercenaries and looking into this mercenary company for the tactics that they're using. You're literally sicking guard dogs on protesters? Unbelievable. Where the hell is Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump and Gary Johnson? Where's all the other presidential candidates who claim to care about the little guy, yet they're nowhere to be found? Oh, wait. See, they only care about issues when it, it garners actual mainstream media press coverage. But if it doesn't get mainstream media coverage, well, then, you know, these political opportunists aren't going to give a damn about it. So we have to get the mainstream media to cover this nonstop because this pipeline cannot be constructed. We have to take a stand and it starts with the Dakota Access Pipeline. No more pipelines that are going to poison our water and violate the sovereignty of Native American tribes. It's unacceptable. So literally right as I'm filming this episode, uh, I take a break, I check the news, and we get a decision from the judge who was deciding in the North Dakota Access Pipeline case, and he declined to halt the project from going through. But President Obama has announced that he will be halting construction on the pipeline. I'm like honestly speechless right now because how long has it been since we've really had a progressive political victory like this? It's amazing. So honestly, thank you to President Obama for doing something that is the right thing to do. I mean, this pipeline would have violated the sovereignty of Standing Rock. It would have potentially poisoned their water when inevitably... It breaks and we have another oil spill. So this is such great news. Like I'm, I'm speechless right now. I don't know what to say because it's been so long since I could actually say I've got good news on this podcast. This is fantastic news. This is really, really great. And look, this couldn't have been done without the thousands of people that came out that were there every single day making noise about this pipeline. We still have power. It's in our hands. That's, you know, I think that Jill Stein's tagline really makes sense it's in our hands we can do it so if you see something speak up maybe someone else will join and then we can get a movement going and actually make progress it just takes enough people to pay attention i honestly was thinking that it's probably going to go through and obama would just be silent on it but you know he's taking a really progressive stand here and i am very critical of president obama but this is the right thing to do so thank you to every single one of the protesters out there who spoke up about it thank you to anyone in the media who mentioned this Man, this is such fantastic news. I'm so so excited right now. I can't even speak. Um, so, yeah, <laughs> really, really happy. As a progressive, I think I speak for many of us when I say that we're really disillusioned with Elizabeth Warren because she chose to abandon one of the most progressive presidential candidates ever and someone who she agrees with on 99.9% .9 of the issues, if not 100% of the issues, all to endorse... Hillary Clinton, an establishment Wall Street-backed candidate. So a new story released by Politico is making it seem like Elizabeth Warren is starting to regret her decision 
to endorse Hillary Clinton. So they explain Senator Elizabeth Warren and her allies aren't waiting for election day. Months before the votes have been counted, they're already exerting pressure on Hillary Clinton's transition team over key hiring decisions. Warren's coalition is developing a hit list of the types of people they'll oppose, what one source called hell-no appointments in a Clinton administration. They're vowing to fight nominees with ties to big banks and warn against corporate executives assuming government roles in regulating the industries that made them rich. Warren has a mantra, personnel is policy, and behind the scenes, Warren, her allies, and a left-leaning think tank affiliated with her have fanned out to try to influence the Clinton hiring process long before the election results come in. Okay, so clearly if she knows that she's going to really have to fight like hell to get Hillary Clinton to be progressive, maybe you made a mistake endorsing her. Maybe you backed the wrong candidate. So I could tell by this, Elizabeth Warren is thinking, oh God, what the hell did I do? So if you quote, are going to be fighting against nominees with ties to big banks, you do know that you're literally going to have to fight against Hillary Clinton and Tim Kaine too, right, Elizabeth Warren? Because they are directly in the pockets of Goldman Sachs and Wall Street. So are you going to fight Hillary Clinton? Because you did it. You ran towards her. You abandoned Bernie Sanders and you fought for Hillary Clinton during the primary. So you're not actually going to be fighting against Wall Street backed candidates because if you were going to do that, you would have not endorsed the Wall Street backed candidates. See the problem there? And look, I'm going to say it again. I'm beating that dead horse. <laughs> if it's the case that you know you have to fight like hell with Hillary Clinton if she's president, Maybe you endorsed the wrong candidate. So, thankfully, Warren has been relatively successful at pressuring Hillary Clinton. Quote, Rohit Chopra, who was hired by Warren at the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau, is joining Clinton's transition team. And Heather Boshi, popular among progressives because of her focus on income inequality, was recently chosen as the team's chief economist. And look, that's great. I'll take a win wherever I can get one. So kudos to Elizabeth Warren for fighting and actually winning by putting pressure on Hillary Clinton. But again, I can't shake the thought that you wouldn't even have to fight at all if Bernie Sanders was the nominee. Where were you when he needed you in Massachusetts? <laughs> It just blows my mind. Now get this, Warren, who declined to comment through an aide, has said little publicly about the transition, in contrast to her more vocal supporters, but sources familiar with her thinking say she will sound the alarm if she feels the need to block a major appointment. The showdown over personnel is stoking tension within the party, especially in the wake of the hard-fought primary between Clinton and Senator Bernie Sanders. Some progressives fear that if Republicans hold the Senate, Clinton might cut deals with them and choose people with corporate ties. Now, additionally, congressional progressives will be putting pressure on Clinton to choose, quote, Warren type of people. Well, if Hillary Clinton wanted to appoint, quote, Warren type people, wouldn't she have selected Elizabeth Warren to be her VP? No, she didn't do that. She could have tried to unify the base. I don't know that she would have been successful, but she could have chosen Elizabeth Warren as her VP pick. And I think that would have brought over a lot more progressives, certainly not all of them, but a lot more. Instead, she chose Tim Kaine, the worst possible choice she could have ever chosen, a Wall Street-funded candidate. So she didn't choose to ameliorate any of the concerns we had about her ties to Wall Street and pick Elizabeth Warren, who we know would probably put pressure on her to not do the bidding of her Wall Street donors. Instead, she chose Tim Kaine. So I don't think Hillary Clinton really is that interested in, quote, Warren type of candidates if she chose a Wall Street VP pick. Hillary Clinton 
doesn't want to be progressive. She doesn't even want to be liberal. This notion that she might sell out if Republicans control Congress is completely ridiculous. Hillary Clinton already sold out when she decided to take millions of dollars from Wall Street in the first place. So you can't already sell out if you've sold out long ago. So even though Elizabeth Warren has been relatively successful at getting Hillary Clinton to appoint more progressive people to her transition team, it's very obvious that Elizabeth Warren is now starting to regret her decision to endorse Hillary Clinton. Remember that Elizabeth Warren... We all thought she was going to run in the first place. I think she probably would have had a better chance of beating Hillary than Bernie did, seeing that she's just more charismatic, I think, than Bernie Sanders. But you can tell Elizabeth Warren is now starting to regret her decision to endorse Hillary Clinton because if you have to put pressure on a so-called progressive, a so-called liberal, then yeah, you realize you made a mistake. And when it comes to the financial industry, mm -hmm. securities, investment, Hillary Clinton's campaign and Super PAC have raised $47 million from that industry. Only $345,000 from that industry has gone to Donald Trump. I know you don't think that these people are giving to Hillary Clinton's campaign and Super PAC out of the goodness of their heart. Does that trouble you? Am I troubled about the influence of Wall Street in every election that happens in this country? You bet I am. Including Hillary Clinton. Well, but I want to be clear on this one. I think one reason you see them not giving to Donald Trump is they look around and say, Donald Trump is bad for business. I know I don't need to tell you, there are a lot of progressives out there who are very suspicious of Hillary and Bill Clinton, mm -hmm. who think that the Bill Clinton years were bad for the middle class, who think that the trade deals were bad for them. These are people who supported Bernie Sanders, who support you. Why? should they support Hillary Clinton, who's been part of the system, and you've criticized her for bankruptcy bill and for other things, mm -hmm. why should they support her over somebody who they think might shake up the system like a Donald Trump or a Jill Stein or a Gary Johnson? Look, Hillary Clinton has laid out a progressive agenda. The way I see it, it is the job of progressives to help her get elected on a progressive agenda and then work our rear ends off to help get that progressive agenda enacted when she is president. And kind of be a watchdog. You bet. Of the Clinton administration, if there is one. You bet. Do you have any concerns that Clinton is, as Donald Trump depicted her, when it comes to foreign policy, too trigger happy, too militaristic, too eager to send in troops. That's a knock on her that we've heard from many progressives and Donald Trump is repeating it as well. Look. I've made a huge mistake. So in the end, I hope Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders put pressure on Hillary Clinton throughout the duration of her administration if she is elected. But we're always going to remember the time when Elizabeth Warren chose to run away from Bernie during the primary in hopes that she would be Clinton's VP pick. She pissed off all of her supporters in the process all for nothing. Now, knowing that Hillary Clinton is obviously a corporatist Democrat, Warren is starting to realize that she's really going to have to fight tooth and nail to get Hillary Clinton to actually represent the people and not her donors. Good job, Elizabeth Warren, because if you chose to run against Hillary Clinton and actually challenge the Clinton machine and the political establishment, 
you wouldn't have to fight at all. It'd be in your hands. Or you could have just endorsed Bernie Sanders. But now you're going to have to fight like hell to get Hillary Clinton to do the bidding of the American people. That's not progressive. That's not what you do when you have a progressive in the White House. So, I mean, in the end, this is a complete fail on your part by endorsing her in the first place, Elizabeth. Several weeks ago, I told you guys about how Bernie Sanders' successor organization to his political campaign, Our Revolution, was off to a really shaky start because many of these staffers didn't have any trust in uh, Jeff Weaver and they were worried that the organization's designation as a 501c4 organization would allow them to take unlimited sums of money from billionaires, which is something that Bernie Sanders railed against during his campaign. And so we didn't have much information at that time because some of these staffers were contending that Jeff Weaver was heading off to different states like California to solicit donations from billionaires like Tom Steyer. But on Twitter, Jane Sanders apparently clarified and said that they're only going to be raising money through small grassroots donations. So there was a big question mark as to how this organization was going to be funded and just what the hell was going on. Because from the outside looking in, we can't really tell how competent Jeff Weaver is. And I think that after hearing some more news about it, I am starting to see that Jeff Weaver probably isn't the right person to run this organization. But... There are some silver linings, and I'll talk about that. So according to USA Today, Senator Bernie Sanders' new activist spinoff organization, Our Revolution, will disclose any high-dollar donations it receives, two of the group's board members said Wednesday. As a social welfare organization or a 501c4 group for tax purposes, Our Revolution doesn't have to disclose its donors. Its commitment to transparency was among several concerns raised by at least eight staffers who resigned as part of a staff revolt before the group launched last month. Former Ohio State Senator Nina Turner, one of the group's board members, said the board was unanimous in its decision to release high-dollar contributions. The precise definition of high-dollar has yet to be determined. We know that people really care about transparency and accountability, and we're not going to let people down, Turner said. We do take seriously the faith that people have in us as a movement, and this organization as a symbol of that movement. Board member Catalina Velasquez, an immigration and LGBTQ activist, said our revolution has more than 4 million supporters and thousands of volunteers who will continue to hold us accountable to make sure that the movement is continuing. The fact that you're going to be more transparent that's great. You know, I'm always going to be in favor of more transparency, but you're kind of missing the point here. I mean, it's not that we're concerned specifically about the lack of transparency that these types of 501c4 organizations have or don't have, but I think that people are really apprehensive because you're going to be taking money from billionaire donors potentially in the first place. That's really the problem that we have. And that was inadvertently admitted here, which is problematic to me. And part of Bernie's campaign slogan was that it was funded by Bernie, not by the billionaires. And that really meant something to us. Because if you take billionaire money and just pledge to be transparent while doing so... How does that make you any different than people like Hillary Clinton who don't want to actually get money out of politics and just say, you know, I want to get dark money out of politics? It doesn't. 
So, I mean, you're basically saying, you know, we're going to be transparent. We're going to get dark money out of our revolution, but we're still going to take billionaire money who are able to buy us. So, just because we know who's able to buy you doesn't give us any more faith. So, it does seem like the problems many of the staffers who revolted had with Jeff Weaver were legitimate. Now, the silver lining is that I have the utmost faith, confidence, and trust in Nina Turner. So if someone like her wasn't on the board, I don't know that I would even have an ounce of hope or optimism for this organization. I think it would be doomed from the start. But Nina Turner is someone who is not a sellout. She didn't endorse Hillary Clinton. She is working for an organization uh, with the hopes of actually fighting for progressive policies. I mean, even if they do take billionaire money, the issues that they're championing on their website I care about those issues, and I love those issues. So, I mean, I would think that that would prevent billionaires from even wanting to support this organization in the first place. But, I mean, at the same time, all you need is a few billionaires or millionaires to donate to the organization, and I immediately will feel disinclined to donate myself because my response is, oh, you want my money? No, I'm not going to give you anything. Go get it from your millionaire or billionaire donors. So... You know, because why would I donate to an organization if I say policy X is more important, but if a billionaire donates a million dollars to the organization, well, they're going to say, no, policy Y is more important. Who do you think they're going to listen more to, me or the millionaire? So it's it's a matter of representation and how millionaires, billionaires, and just rich people, generally speaking, are able to drown out the voices of the little guy. But I mean, again, there is a silver lining because it's not like they're running away from any progressive policy positions. All the policies that Bernie Sanders fought for, they're still present here. They're still claiming that they're going to fight for it. They're speaking out in favor of the Standing Rock protesters. They're still against the TPP. So I would think that with these policy positions, that's going to be something that would dissuade billionaires and millionaires from wanting to jump on board this organization. But at the same time, I feel like they're kind of missing the point by talking about a lack of transparency and now it's pretty clear that they might be taking billionaire money so Jane Sanders was wrong and I think that that all stems from Jeff Weaver it seems like he really is the problem so am I less inclined to get on board now after hearing this I am but at the same time the fact that Nina Turner is on the board I feel a little bit better knowing that she's there because if Nina Turner steps down, that's when you know this organization is going to be a complete and utter failure. But the fact that she's still there and thinks it has potential, I trust her judgment. I don't think she's ever going to sell us out. I really believe in Nina Turner. And look, she's someone who is potentially going to run for governor in 2018 in the state of Ohio. Guess what happens after that? If she's a governor, she can then run for president. A Nina Turner president is honestly unfathomable to me. It would be so amazing. I wouldn't I wouldn't even know how to deal with that much awesomeness. So I believe in Nina Turner. I trust her. I know that she's not going to let us down. So the fact that she's here gives me some hope that this organization can actually be good and do good. Now, I'm not willing to donate just yet because I want to see how they advocate for these policy positions. I actually do like what I see so far, honestly. I mean, I get the emails from them because I was on Bernie's email list about how, you know, help to stop the TPP. So that's a good sign. Jeff Weaver is a bad sign because I didn't know what to think about him because I didn't know enough about him in terms of how he ran Bernie Sanders' campaign internally. As an outsider, I thought he did a good job at running Bernie's campaign because Bernie had no name recognition, and he made up a 60-point deficit. So, I mean, you have to credit Jeff Weaver for that. But at the same time, the fact that Jeff Weaver even wants this organization to be able to take billionaire money, apparently, it is troubling to me. So I think that people like Nina Turner being on the board is going to keep them in check. 
And the fact that Nina Turner gave us this reassurance, I do feel a little bit better about it. But I'm still, you know, I'm still on the fence. I'm still apprehensive and understandably so, I think. Now, with that being said, I do have to address a criticism of myself and other progressives. Many people are worried that, you know, progressives are getting a little bit too unreasonable. I had someone on Twitter tweet at me and say, look, Mike, I'm so sick of you subjecting every single person to a quote, progressive purity test. And look, to be fair, I think that is a perfectly legitimate criticism that people can and should probably use against people like myself because even though I want to be critical and hold candidates' feet to the fire, we don't want to be too unreasonable. We don't want to burn every single bridge. Look, I'm fully cognizant of that. And I'm thankful when people do point out the fact that maybe I'm being a little bit too harsh. Maybe I shouldn't be criticizing this person. Give them a break. You're not going to agree with them on everything. But I mean, at the same time, I don't necessarily think that this is an unreasonable criticism to say that I don't want a progressive organization taking billionaire money because Bernie Sanders ran a very anti-billionaire campaign. So I don't think that this is unreasonable. But at the same time, I know that this organization isn't going to be perfect. I know I'm not going to agree with 100% of the things that they do. I know I'm probably going to grow pretty disillusioned with Jeff Weaver quick if I see any changes. But at the same time, I think that we can put us put away our tinfoil hats and trust Nina Turner. If she's on the board, I'm okay with it. But if she steps down and has a problem with it, that's when you know that this organization is not going to do very much for progressive issues. So look, we have to be critical, but at the same time, I do understand the criticism that people use against me and say I'm too harsh. Perfectly legitimate criticism. I get that. So I am going to remain on the fence about our revolution, but I do feel better knowing that Nina Turner is on the board, as I've stated. So be skeptical, but don't just hope that this organization fails. I'm not. I'm hoping it succeeds. Uh, but, you know, we're, again, we're going to have to wait and see how it all plays out. All throughout this election cycle, I've been really entertained anytime Green Party presidential candidate Jill Stein has gone on Fox News because... They try so hard to discredit Jill Stein and vilify her, but they just fall on their face every single time. And in an interview with Chris Wallace, that was no different. So Jill Stein, I mean, I, I don't think I've ever seen someone apply this much pressure to her before. I don't think I've seen anyone on Fox News use this high of a level of scrutiny against anyone on the left or the right. So to see that applied on Jill Stein and how she was able to handle his questions was honestly very impressive. But what I really was just ecstatic about was how she literally had him visibly shaken towards the end of the interview because she was so good at answering the questions he couldn't do what he sought out to do which was try to vilify her and make her look bad by doing shitty gotcha journalism uh and she did great so take a look and we'll come back and talk about it you call for medicare for all a guaranteed federal job for anyone who wants one free college tuition canceling all student loan debt cutting military spending by 50% and ending all wars and all drone attacks. Dr. Stein, how much will that cost and how are you going to pay for it? So let me say first, we don't call for ending all wars, but we call for ending these catastrophic regime change wars 
that have cost us six trillion dollars by the time we've paid for the health care of our wounded veterans. That's according to a recent Harvard study. And remember, this is half, more than half, of our discretionary budget. So that's part of how we pay for things. Another way we pay for things, in fact, we call for a Green New Deal, an emergency jobs program, to fix the emergency of climate change. And the great thing, Chris, is that this program pays for itself and I can say this as a medical doctor, it turns out we get so much healthier by eliminating fossil fuel pollution. 200,000 deaths every year, in fact, from fossil fuel pollution. We get so much healthier that the savings in health care alone is enough to pay for the green energy transition. Now, the Washington Post... something like... Well, let me, let me just pick up. Uh, the Washington Post is a pretty liberal newspaper. After interviewing you, uh, this is an editorial that they wrote, the headline, Jill Stein's Fairy Tale Candidacy. And in it, they said this, Jill Stein's policy ideas are poorly formed and wildly impractical. Dr. Stein, that's not good. <laughs> well, I think they called me actually a fairy tale campaign, to which I would answer, in fact, we are living with a couple of nightmare campaigns right now that the American people object to at absolutely unprecedented levels. The American people are saying that politics as usual has been throwing them under the bus. And in fact, the two uh, major party candidates have the highest ratings of disapproval and distrust of any candidate anywhere uh, at any time throughout our history. So what I'm saying is what the American people are calling for. 76% of Americans are saying we need to open up the debates. There are actually four candidates on the ballot for just about every American. And in America, we not only have a right to vote, we have a right to know who we can vote for. Donald Trump actually has received more than $4 billion in free media. And Hillary Clinton, over $2 billion. I've received almost none. And yet still I'm coming up 4 or 5% in the polls with zero media which tells you there is word of mouth going on out there because a generation of young people is locked into debt and referring to your question about how do we pay for it somehow we came up with the money it turned out to be about 16 trillion dollars to bail out the crooks on Wall Street who crashed the economy isn't it time that we bail out an entire generation that's basically been locked in debt doesn't have the jobs to uh, earn their way out of that college debt. What is more important to us than liberating a generation who can lead the way forward, let me, not only on our economy, but in all of the social issues that we have in front of us? Let me it's pick, always been young let me pick up on another aspect charge. of your plan, and that's the, 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 the foreign policy aspect. You call for cutting Pentagon spending in half. You would like to eliminate, you say you would like to eliminate, although you have a caveat there, you may not be able to, all military bases, U.S. military bases around the world. Question, how would you fight ISIS? Ah, very good point. We would not continue to do the same thing that has failed catastrophically since 9-11, since the Trade Towers came down. Because what have we done with this $6 trillion, mind you, for just Iraq and Afghanistan alone, which, by the way, costs every American household $50,000 for those two wars alone. What have we done with this policy of regime change, this war on okay, terror? Okay, but how would you We've fight ISIS? We've created failed states, mass refugee, 
uh, I'll tell you in one sec, failed states, mass refugee migrations, and worse terrorist threats, which is the point. It's not getting better. Every terrorist cause we've been fighting has only been increased and gotten stronger by dropping bombs and shooting them up with bullets. We need a weapons embargo to the Middle East since we are supplying the majority of weapons which get out to all sides. We call for a weapons embargo and we call for a freeze on the funding, including our allies, Hillary Clinton identified the Saudis as still the major funder but, but, but of Sunni jihad terror around the world. But what are you going to do about ISIS and the people in Iraq and Syria who have also now developed plans? They have struck in the United States, they've struck in France, they've struck uh, in, in Belgium and a number of other places. How are you going to protect us from them? So one thing we have to do is not keep doing what we've been doing, which has only made them stronger. Each terrorist threat has gotten worse. We created ISIS out of the chaos of Iraq. So let's not keep doing a proven I understand what you say we shouldn't strategy. do. What should well, we do? That's why we're calling... Yes. What we should do is deprive them of weapons, deprive them of funding, freeze the bank accounts of our allies that continue to fund these terrorist uh, enterprises, and close the border from Turkey so that the militias cannot cross over into Iraq and into Syria. You, you we created this problem by funding it, by arming it, we and our allies, remember this goes back to Afghanistan where we created this in order to fight uh, the Russians and the Soviet Union by beefing up the Mujahideen and creating this international terrorist enterprise. I, I think a the lot of people are going to question, we, we have to move on, but let me, let me simply say I think a lot of people are going to question whether we were responsible for Al-Qaeda and we were responsible for ISIS, but let me, let me move on because you, you talked about the fact this that you said... This is why it should be debated. Chris. Well, I, I, that's why, we have why, you, that's why we're having you on the show, Because the American Dr. people Stein. are not happy with but the way it's going right now. Let me ask, well, I think, let, let I me think ask you, if, a I, lot of if I may, about, about Hillary Clinton, debate. because you talk about hers as a nightmare candidacy. You've said some pretty tough things about her. You've said that she had a, has had a horrific career, your words. You say that she's too big to jail. What's wrong with Hillary Clinton? Well... What I said about Hillary Clinton is that uh, she cannot be the good guy in the white hat while Donald Trump is the bad guy in the black hat. Donald Trump says despicable things, but Hillary Clinton, unfortunately, has a record for doing many terrible things. Donald Trump talks about deporting Muslims. Unfortunately, Hillary Clinton has been bombing Muslims. A million people killed in Iraq alone, and we've only created a greater catastrophe there. The uh, Republicans are the party of hate and fear-mongering, but the Democrats are the party of deportation, detention, and night raids for immigrants who, in many cases, have been forced to flee into this country as refugees from NAFTA, which Hillary Clinton and Bill gave the thumbs up to, in fact, signed, and Wall Street deregulation, which led to the disappearance of nine million jobs here in America. So the things that are terrible right now in our economy economy are very much go back to the policies of the Clintons as much as the Republicans. Dr. Stein, we're going to have to leave it there. We thank you very much for coming on. And you can't say that you've had zero media exposure any, anymore because you've been here. <laughs> so as usual, Jill Stein responded to every single one of his idiotic questions with facts and logic. Uh, now, I do have some things that I want to add, even though I loved all of her answers and was very satisfied with them. So he said, you called for all these policies, 
yada 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 how much will that cost and how are you going to pay for it so he listed off all the things she wanted but the genius didn't realize that he answered his own question when he was asking it so by ending unnecessary wars and drone strikes and by cutting military spending by 50 percent that's how we can pay for those things that doesn't even make sense you're asking her how we can pay for cutting military spending what? It pays for itself. Do you even know what you're talking about? See, he just tried to throw together an attack so quickly that he didn't even think it through and realized that he was answering his own question. If you cut military spending by 50%, which now makes up 57% of our discretionary spending, you got a lot of cash on your hand. So that's like, what, $200 billion? Maybe more, maybe $300 billion? And here's what pisses me off every single time when this question is posed to Jill Stein, Bernie Sanders, any progressive, do you ever ask a candidate how they're going to pay for the wars that they want to start? I mean, we have Hillary Clinton talking about instituting a Syrian no-fly zone, ramping up the attacks on ISIS, uh, starting war with Russia, potentially, if they hack us. How are we going to pay for that? When Republicans talk about wanting to start a war with Iran, do you ever ask them how we're going to pay for that? You don't give a shit, see? Because if we're actually going to help out American citizens, then you better damn well explain how we're going to pay for that. But if you're going to bomb and kill people in the Middle East and North Africa, then you know what? You don't have to explain shit. So this is what really pisses me off. It's a double standard. You can ask someone that question. It's fine. You know, I'm okay with it. It's a legitimate question. But... Be consistent in who you're going to ask that question to. Ask the politicians how they're going to pay for wars. Because right now, we have a war that costs trillions of dollars that we put on the credit card. So ask the other politicians, the warmongers, people who want to give more tax cuts to the rich, how they're going to pay for that. Because these progressive policies that Jill Stein is talking about, as she said, they pay for themselves. Giving college to citizens, providing them with health care. These things pay for themselves. Now, he also said uh, the Washington Post, which is a pretty liberal newspaper, uh, Dr. Stein, they said your ideas are poorly formed and wildly impractical. Well, I mean, shit, if the Washington Post said it, it must be true, right? And here's one of my favorite parts. Chris Wallace tried so hard to get Jill Stein on foreign policy, but that's her bread and butter. There's no way you can shake her on that. He tried to interrupt her in the middle of her answer to imply that she wasn't fully explaining how to fight ISIS. Well, you see, Chris, she has to actually give you context because defeating ISIS isn't as simple as saying we bombed the hell out of them. That's, <laughs> that's not what's required to defeat ISIS. Jill Stein actually has a policy plan that's sophisticated, that's nuanced, that she has to address in detail. It's not that simple. And he also said, uh, I understand what you say about what we shouldn't do, but what should we do? That's a nice little semantical trick that you did there, but she's trying to tell you. If you want to know her answer, actually listen to her. He's asking a really complex question, and she's trying to give him a nuanced answer, and he only wants to hear bomb him. Well, we've been doing that and they're only getting stronger. So do you actually want to hear how we defeat ISIS or not? Now, what did he do when she actually really started to get to the crux of his answer? Well, he tried to cut her off, but she did such a good job. She actually had him rattled. I mean, listen to it in his voice. He was rattled by her. I, I, I think a lot of people are going to question. We, we have to move on. But let me... <laughs> See, this is remarkable. Jill Stein is one of the few politicians that can actually handle media this way and handle bullshit this way. That was, 
That was great right there. That was really embarrassing for Chris Wallace. Now, I really love how when it got to the Hillary Clinton question, since Fox News is just a propaganda outlet for the Republican Party, what Chris Wallace was effectively telling Jill Stein was, go ahead and attack Hillary Clinton and do our job for us. I mean, if I can't get you to look like a fool, at least I can have you attack Hillary Clinton for us, right? But Jill Stein didn't take the bait. She talked about how both Republicans and Democrats are bad when it comes to foreign policy and domestic policy, and it was great. And since she didn't do what he wanted her to, he tried to cut her off almost immediately. Now, finally, he ends by saying, you know, you can't say that you've had zero media exposure anymore because we've had you on for five minutes. That's not, that's not the way that this works, Chris. It's not about having any media coverage whatsoever. It's about having equal media coverage. So if you actually gave them the same amount of coverage as you've given to Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump, who you've given $2 billion in free media coverage, then they would have more of a chance. So it's not just about, well, we showed you for five minutes. Go away now. Don't complain. It's about giving them actual equal media airtime. Now, certainly, I'll say this about Chris Wallace. He held her to a very high standard, and that's what you have to do when it comes to politicians, even if you don't have any facts on your side and you are just a propaganda outlet for one of the mainstream political parties. So here's what we can anticipate, because Chris Wallace is someone who's going to be hosting one of the presidential debates. He will be the moderator between Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump. So he's going to hold them to an equally high standard as he's holding Jill Stein to, right? wrong as they go at it let's say donald trump and hillary clinton um what do you do if the, they make assertions that you know to be untrue that's not my job that's not I, job. I do not believe that it's my job to be a truth squad so clearly he held jill stein to a higher standard than he will be holding hillary clinton or donald trump to but if he couldn't even rattle jill stein after being this tough and this unfair to her how the hell are you going to moderate a debate, Chris? So, <laughs> in the end, that was phenomenal. This was Jill Stein's best performance yet in terms of how she just had him completely rattled and falling over his own words because he couldn't get her to do what he wanted to do. He couldn't get her to look stupid like he intended, and it was just fantastic to watch. MSNBC hosted a Commander-in-Chief presidential forum with Matt Lauer and... <laughs> It was almost unbearable to watch. I mean, I wasn't expecting anything great because the candidates are Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump, but it was a lot worse than I could have imagined or even anticipated. But before I even talk about the candidates' performance, as well as Matt Lauer, why is it that Jill Stein and Gary Johnson were not able to participate? Because this isn't a debate. There's no uh, criteria that you have to qualify at 15% in public opinion polls for this. So why is it that MSNBC did not invite them? I was very frustrated by this, but I'm getting way off topic. So let's go ahead and talk about the actual Commander-in-Chief Town Hall Forum. So Matt Lauer didn't ask the right questions at all. Here's an example of one of the questions he posed to Hillary. Do you think Iran is playing us? Do you think Iran is playing us? We have the IAEA up their asses right now. How the hell are, are they going to play us? We have basically free reign of any of their nuclear facilities. They don't have enough material to build a nuclear weapon even if they wanted to. And we're up their asses. There's no way they could right now. So to ask that question... I mean, I just reject the premise of that question altogether. Now, here's another problem I had with Matt Lauer. He posed these really complex questions, particularly to Hillary Clinton, and then he, before they could even answer, he's like, all right, you're going to have to make it brief. 
dude, that's your problem, okay? That's not the candidate's problem. You actually have to budget your time more wisely. And think of the softballs that he threw to Donald Trump. What have you experienced in your life that makes you ready for commander-in-chief? Come on, really? You're going to ask him that? Get to the policy substance. And another thing that pissed me off about Matt Lauer, he focused more on what Donald Trump had to say than the actual policy substance. He hasn't revealed any specifics about his plan to defeat ISIS, and you're not challenging him on that. That pissed me off. He also didn't ask Hillary Clinton the right questions. So he talked to her about the Iran nuclear deal and whatnot. Why didn't you ask her the questions that we all want to hear about? Ask her why she wants to install this ridiculous Syrian no-fly zone that could escalate tensions between Russia and possibly spawn a new Cold War. Ask her why she's going to treat cyber attacks as though they are just regular attacks on U.S. soil. That could potentially lead to World War III. Why didn't you ask her about that? These are the questions that we want to know about. This is a foreign policy forum, and you didn't ask her some of the most pressing questions that we want to hear as voters. And getting to Donald Trump, you also didn't ask him the right questions either. Donald Trump said in a previous town hall that he would not take using nuclear weapons against Europe off the table. Why didn't you press him on that? Donald Trump recently, he asked why we couldn't use nuclear weapons if we have them on three different occasions. We're all worried that Donald Trump is going to be trigger happy when it comes to using nuclear weapons. Why didn't you ask him about that? So it's like Matt Lauer is so out of touch that he didn't even know what voters wanted to hear about. Okay, so getting to the candidates, let's focus on Hillary Clinton first and then Donald Trump. So she started out strong by touting her foreign policy experience, you know, and cited an example as to how she helped capture bin Laden. I thought that, you know, at first... Wow, she's starting off pretty strong, but then it all went downhill very quickly. So Hillary Clinton, quite frankly, is lying about her use of a private email server. She's moving the goalposts. She said, none of the emails sent or received by me had a classified header. But before, she said that she just didn't send or receive classified information, period. I did not email any um, classified material to anyone on my email. There is no classified material. Classified material has a header which says top secret, secret, confidential. None of the emails sent or received by me had such a header. Now, just generally speaking, Hillary Clinton did a horrific job on the question about her emails. And honestly, she just came off as really disingenuous. So I don't think that was a good look. Now, there was one part of the questioning that made my jaw hit the floor. It was this part. As a naval flight officer, I held a top secret sensitive compartmentalized information uh, clearance, and that provided me access to materials and information highly sensitive to our warfighting capabilities. Had I communicated this information not following prescribed protocols, I would have been prosecuted and imprisoned. Secretary Clinton, how can you expect those such as myself who were and are entrusted with America's most sensitive information to have any confidence in your leadership as president when you clearly corrupted our national security? So that was intense. And getting to her answer, she did not answer his question adequately because, as I stated, she's moving the goalpost. Before, she never talked about a classified header in the emails. This is a first hearing that from her. I wish that Matt Lauer would have called her out on this. Now, additionally, uh, when it comes to the Iraq war, she said that she learned from her mistake with her vote for the Iraq war. But she didn't, because if she did, she wouldn't want to install a Syrian no-fly zone and potentially escalate to a new Cold War 
over Syria. Now, also, uh, she was right, however, to divert attention away from that and spotlight the good things that she's done for troops, like treating people with PTSD who are injured and whatnot. And she was also asked to respond directly to progressives. Take a look. With respect to Libya, again, there is no difference between my opponent and myself. He's on record extensively supporting intervention in Libya when Gaddafi was threatening to massacre his population. I put together a coalition that included NATO, included the Arab League, and we were able to save lives. We did not lose a single American in that action. And I think taking that action was the right decision not taking it and permitting there to be an ongoing civil war in Libya would have been as dangerous and threatening as what we are now seeing in Syria. Now, Hillary Clinton completely and utterly failed to address the main concerns of progressives that she was trigger happy because she just said 10 minutes ago that her vote for the Iraq war was something that she had to learn from. She learned from her mistakes, but then she had the audacity to say it was the right decision to take action in Libya. Right, because turning Libya into a failed state with a strong ISIS presence, that's way better than Gaddafi, right? I mean... So that whole line about her learning from her mistakes, again, she hasn't learned anything from her mistakes, and she has a lot of them. Now, there were some portions of Hillary Clinton's answers that I thought she did a good job on. Her answer on the VA was great. I will not let the VA be privatized. And I do think there is an agenda out there supported by my opponent to do just that. I think that would be very disastrous for our military veterans. And look, I don't think very many people will deny that we have to reform our VA system, but Republicans blocked congressional initiatives that would have increased funding to make the VA better. And this is an attempt to make the VA shitty by Republicans so people get frustrated with it and then they can privatize it. So she's absolutely right there. And it was really important that she brought that up. Now, her donors would profit from privatizing the VA. But as far as I'm concerned, her answer was good. Now, she also did good in terms of demonstrating knowledge about how VA records are difficult to be found or obtained. I mean, this is something that my family's dealt with firsthand because my dad is a vet who is disabled now. And, you know, getting records was a nightmare. It was an absolute nightmare. So the fact that she could demonstrate knowledge about that shows that she was doing her homework and talking to people. I was actually surprised right there. She did a good job on this question. Now, she also did great on the question of suicide and mental health. I have no complaints here. Now, I did take issue with her plan to defeat ISIS. Basically, in a nutshell, it's more bombs. We're going to bomb them more. Okay, you need a more sophisticated strategy than that, Hillary Clinton, because President Obama's already doing that, and surprise, surprise, they're getting stronger. So what else are you going to do? Do you have anything more to talk about other than the fact that you're going to bomb them more? You need to take a cue from Jill Stein. You have to starve them from their resources. That's how you defeat ISIS, because if you just bomb them, you're going to only accidentally kill civilians, and when you get more collateral damage, you radicalize other people who see this and also want to take up arms against us. So bombing them 
If that's your only strategy, then ISIS is not going anywhere for the next four to eight years. Now, I'm also glad to hear that she committed to not putting in more ground troops, but I don't necessarily believe her given that she said she would be willing to commit more ground troops before. So overall, I thought that Matt Lauer was tough on Hillary Clinton to a degree, but not tough enough, and he also didn't address the concerns of many voters about her Syrian no-fly zone, about her cybersecurity policy. He did a bad job in that regard. So he needed to be tougher, and he also needed to actually ask the right questions. Now, Hillary Clinton performed better than I thought she would, and she had the advantage of being juxtaposed against Donald Trump going first, because you see Hillary Clinton, and then you see Donald Trump, and you really realize that even though we can't trust the single word that she's saying, she's at least more articulate and can form a coherent sentence. But with Donald Trump... I mean, I don't even know what to say about Donald Trump. So first, he keeps lying about the fact that he was always against the Iraq war. That's completely false. Are you for invading Iraq? Yeah, I guess so. Uh, you know, I wish it was. I, I wish the first time it was done correctly. I was actually surprised because I expected Matt Lauer to be way more harsh on Donald Trump than he would be on Hillary Clinton, but it was the complete opposite. I mean, he gave Donald Trump softball questions, and Donald Trump still couldn't even answer softball questions. He fumbled those. But what have you done in your life that prepares you to send men and women of the United States into harm's way? Well, I think the main thing is I have great judgment. I have good judgment. I know what's going on. I've called so many of the shots, and I happened to hear Hillary Clinton say that I was not against the war in Iraq. I was totally against the war in Iraq. Are you for invading Iraq? Yeah, I guess. And look at this question here I want to spotlight. Matt Lauer asked him about whether or not we should be able to, quote, take a risk with him saying something stupid as commander-in-chief. And his answer was just downright cringeworthy because rather than saying, no, you're not taking a risk with me, I'm the safe option because Hillary Clinton wants to escalate tensions with Vladimir Putin. I don't want to do that. I want peace. Did Donald Trump say that? (laughs) No. (laughs) He literally implied inadvertently that he is a risk. But well, when you a, say that was a record in chief, if you say things I you regret when you're commander in chief, sure. you can spark a conflict, you can destabilize a region, you can put American lives at risk. Can we afford to take that risk with you? Well, I think absolutely. Again, rather than just saying you're not taking a risk with me, he said, no, you should take a risk with me. Unbelievable. Donald Trump. Come on, man. Come on. Because look, I really do feel as though Donald Trump is someone who we're taking a risk with. That's the same thing with Hillary Clinton. So he could have used that to his advantage that voters don't trust Hillary Clinton and that she's a war hawk, but he didn't. He said, no, I think you you can take a risk with me. And then he just talked about some random shit. (laughs) I'm not rooting for either of these idiots, but if you honestly want to do better against probably the most calculating politician ever, who is going to be way more rehearsed than you could ever anticipate, you've got to do better than that and you've got to actually see these things and take a few seconds to just think about your answer you don't have to answer like that you're a human being right take a few seconds before you answer the goddamn question donald now there's also him not revealing what his quote plan is to defeat isis oh believe him though guys he's got a plan he's not going to show it to you but he's got a plan he's not telling you not because he doesn't have anything planned you know believe him (laughs) he has a plan that's not the way that this works you tell us your plan hillary tells us hers and 
then we vote for the one we like the most. We're not asking for a specificity to the extent that ISIS will know literally which buildings to flee because you're giving them the coordinates of where you'll be bombing. That's not what we're asking for. Just give us a general sense as to what you're going to do to defeat ISIS. But he can't do that because he has no plan. And he implied that by saying he's going to talk to generals and he's going to give them 30 days to tell them what his plan is. <laughs> That's not how this works, Donald. You have to tell us your plan. Here's what I realized. Hillary Clinton, the fact that she is now sinking in the polls is astonishing to me because when you see her juxtaposed against Donald Trump, I mean, he just seems incredibly idiotic. She's obviously more intelligent and more knowledgeable than him. You would think that, you know, he would be able to play up to his strengths. He couldn't pitch to everyone why he's not like these rehearsed politicians. He just came off as really idiotic and unintelligent. And there's just no sense of complexity or nuance. There's no specificity to any of his answers. He just seems stupid. I mean, I hate to be a dick, but he just seems like he's stupid. I mean, take, for example, his answer about de-escalating tensions with Russia. I think I would have a very, very good relationship with Putin. And I think I would have a very, very good relationship with Russia. As I said, but I looked at President Obama and Putin staring at each other. These were not two well, people me... that were getting along. And you know the beautiful part of getting along. Russia wants to defeat ISIS as badly as we do. Okay. <laughs> De-escalating tensions with Russia requires more than that, Donald Trump. I mean, this is the answer a 12-year-old would give. I mean, there's just no sophistication to anything he says. He can barely form a coherent sentence. And look, I get wanting to work with Russia to defeat ISIS. I agree with him there. But gauging U.S.-Russia relations by the body language of Obama and Putin... I mean, he's just not helping himself. Now, much like Hillary Clinton's portion, there is, you know, a slight ray of light within Donald Trump's answers. So Matt asked him about compliments that uh, Trump has received from Putin, even though he annexed Crimea and hacked the DNC. And Trump actually seemed like he was going to make a good point there. Uh, but Matt Lauer cut him off as he cut off Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump multiple times. He just did not allow the candidates enough time to answer any of the questions. And Trump said that there's no evidence that Putin hacked the DNC. That's true. And then he went on to say uh, he was going to talk about how Obama isn't so innocent either. Now, I don't know what direction Trump was going to take that answer. He could have talked about how President Obama is killing lots of civilians with his drone strikes in Pakistan, Yemen, Somalia, Libya, Iraq, Afghanistan, Syria now. Uh, but I don't know where he was going to go. Knowing Donald Trump, he probably would have given a completely incoherent answer and talk about how Obama is a Muslim. But with that being said, we don't know what Donald Trump would have said and how he would have answered because Matt Lauer didn't give him the opportunity to actually answer that question in a manner that's thoughtful. And there was one point where Donald Trump just completely lied. He said that we have a depleted military. That's complete and utter horseshit. Our military is the strongest military in the world. We put more money into that military than, than the next several nations combined. So to suggest that our military is depleted is, is just factually incorrect. Now, there was one point in there where I was actually really happy and relieved with Donald Trump's answer. He said that he would not privatize the VA, uh, and that was good. But should we believe him about that? No, because he literally contradicted himself minutes later. Take a look. I never said take the VA, take it, the Veterans Administration private. I wouldn't do that. Too much respect for our people. I would never do that. Okay. I heard it was said that I said that I would not do that. 
So we are going to make it efficient and good. And if it's not good, you're going out to private hospitals, public hospitals, and doctors. And look, to give you another example of the softball questions that Matt Lauer was throwing to Donald Trump, he said, what kind of research are you doing to prepare? What kind of homework are you doing? What kind of things are you reading as you prepare for the day in two months where you might be elected the next president of the United States? Matt Lauer really handled Donald Trump with kid gloves. And if you're a Donald Trump supporter, you should be insulted by this because Matt Lauer asked questions that were so simple, so easy that he didn't even give Give Donald Trump the opportunity to seem like he's a sophisticated, talented candidate. So honestly, you should be pissed about the fact, if you are a Trump supporter, that Matt Lauer handled this the way that he did. And if you're a Hillary Clinton supporter, then you should be angry at the fact that Matt Lauer did not really press Hillary Clinton harder. I think that he should have been harder on Hillary Clinton. I think that he should have been way harder on Donald Trump. But overall, I mean, these candidates demonstrated why I'm voting third party, why I'm supporting Jill Stein, because they both are incapable of seeming genuine, authentic. They're they're just bad candidates overall, and it really just seemed like something from the movie Idiocracy. It was just horrible. So, I mean, in the end, can we please get someone who actually is willing to do a good job at hosting this? Because Matt Lauer had no idea what the hell he was doing, and it was just a complete and utter disaster. Well, that is all that I've got for you guys today. Hopefully you enjoyed the episode. Uh, you know, I, I try to always get a diverse types of topics, like, you know, not just focus on the same thing. But, you know, I, I don't always get to choose that, depending on what's available in, you know, the, the news cycle and whatnot. So, look, in the end, thank you all for tuning in every single week. I have to send a thank you to the members, the Patreon patrons, and anyone who donates through humanistreport.com. You guys make this show possible, and I love you guys for it. So, thank you all so much for tuning in every single week so loyally. I'll see you guys next week. Have a great day. <laughs> <laughs>